and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. My name is Glenn Fitzgerald. Good confirmation. Yeah. So joining us is Jed Bruder, the director of Mission USA Productions. I'm about to get topical. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for Hit it? Hit me. People. Ready. Goal! Oh, wow. Jed's a big sports fan. I love sports. Jed likes sports. I like things that could be racist being said <laughs> on my podcast. That's really for you, the listener, to decide. Direct those emails to jed at theinternet.com. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Only Glenn could really confirm this for us, being that Glenn has known Jed the longest, but is it possible that he made that particular sports reference because it allowed him to have the longest introduction? That's correct. That's Uh, exactly why. Jed actually knows absolutely nothing whatsoever about sports. (laughs) It's true. And is not interested in learning. Also true. If you said sport, what do you know about sports? He knows that there is somewhere in the world a guy who says goal a really long time. Yeah, that's it. That's the whole thing. And And, And also... On a previous podcast, Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> That's true. He knows Rudy, the movie Rudy, which he's not seen. No. I, and, and he knows that Rudy exists. He knows it that Rudy exists and It doesn't really gold. hold up. Yeah. I believe that. I may get drummed out of the uh, soon-to-be middle-aged white guy club for saying that, but yeah. I could I, I could really could take or leave Rudy. Sure, yeah. See, yeah. see, the moral is it's not about talent or natural athleticism or hard work. Right. It's about how scrappy you are. It's about heart, right. man. Yeah. It's about being a middle class white guy. I mean, being scrappy. I see. That's what really it's your, as we all know, the people who succeed in sports are the people who are the most inherently moral. Yes. Right. That's right. It's about, it's about character <laughs> sure, and not absolutely. having a massive physique. Well, we are in the midst of World Cup fever here. Well, Jed, not so much. He just likes yelling goal. It's true. And don't we all? As we record this, Portugal and the USA have just tied, so there's a lot of things going on that I don't understand, but a lot of drunk people are yelling about things in pubs, no doubt, right now. I, don't you think that we all kind of got away with something there by the fact that Jed apparently doesn't know the Olay song? Yeah. I, I, I don't even know what we're talking Jed, about. Jed is, that's how that's how little Jed knows really, about sports. Really walking the knife's edge there, Younger, just in case he did. Trying to, <laughs> I just wanted to see how, a, I wanted to see how deep his sports, lack a, of sports it's knowledge It's a very uh, vociferous and annoying chant that is synonymous with soccer games that I'm guessing, I'm going to go with 25% of our listening audience is now singing in their head instead okay. of listening to the things we're saying. Yeah, It's very catchy. That's, we'll play it for you after the podcast. That's my uh, that's that's my level of influence that I'm going after. I'm controlling their minds. Now, totally. right, right now, I don't know why we hadn't already thought of making up things that are not soccer traditions and <laughs> pitching them at Jed sure. as if they were. You wow. know? This sounds like a great bit, but it's going to get real blue real quick, so I'm going to go ahead and cut <laughs> it off. Um, this feels like the right responsible thing to do. You, you don't even know about the part where they take off their pants that they score a goal. Wow, that's pretty awesome. That's, that's that's a tradition. That's a soccer tradition. <laughs> that's great. It's one of our proudest traditions. That's exciting. How have I not been watching this? Well, World Cup- also about half of our audience is seething that we're calling it soccer instead of football. So there's that's true. that. That's know. true. As we all know, it's not real football if you don't get a concussion. Okay. Also topical and a little sad. <laughs> don't know why I said it. I'm offended. Something <laughs> something shouldn't be joking about Matt King. Something serious. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't. I feel like as someone who has uh, filled out an insurance form at some point for a physical and where it said number of concussions, at first I was honest and wrote three, and then I crossed <laughs> that out and wrote zero. Um, I feel like I could make a couple of concussion jokes in here. But as we're saying, we're, World Cup, Bobby Fever is sweeping the, the world, as it is accurately named. There's a little something else that's sweeping the world. Then that say that fever. Uh oh, say that fever. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about if you're if you're into the podcast, you should just go about announcing that. Yes. If you're into the podcast, if you're into maybe the Uncle Glenn blog. Just start talking about that until you catch you a mate. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We've heard a positive report that's come into us on the tweet box. That's right. We have a great friend in the Philippines, brother Kent, avid Uncle Glenn reader. Say that super fan. Yeah. Good dude. Yep. Oh, the plan worked. The plan worked, y'all. Glenn, Period. Why don't Tell you walk us, us walk, walk us through the report here, Glenn? And on that basis, I declare an emergency. 
Uh, okay. okay. We were throwing to you anyway, so you know, it seemed like you needed to do that, but did, I appreciate you upholding did, procedure. Did, did I did I declare an unnecessary emergency because it was already coming to me? Yeah. Did, I, did I not need to cut into that because you were pitching it over I to me? I don't mean to undercut your enthusiasm. Go. Well, see, you know, sometimes I, I miss my social cues. <laughs> <laughs> that's the understatement of the century right there <laughs> so we told we told the people you know uh if you're if you're looking to meet a lovely person of the opposite sex that's super attractive what you do is you tell them uh and tell everybody i listen to the say that podcast yeah i and i read the blogs i'm all involved i'm engaged I'm it's a, kind of a test balloon. Yeah, We're just trying right. to weed people out. So let's and say, if nothing else, it just gets people saying the name of our podcast. That's good for us. Well, that's a secondary thing. Sure. You know, aside, you know. But here, 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 here's what I'm saying. Let's say, like, let's say you meet a supermodel. Okay. You're in a busy downtown area. You get on an elevator. There's a supermodel on there. Sure. Right. And you think, you know, you never know. Right. You, so here's what you do. You say to her, hey, uh, not for nothing, but do you ever find yourself listening to, say, that podcast? Right. If she says, no, I don't know what you're talking about, you know what you say? You say, you know what? Then forget it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You stay on your side of the out. elevator. I'm going to stay over here. All of a sudden, <laughs> this isn't working for me. Yeah. Okay. Look, you're suffocating me. It's not me. It's you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's. But I don't think this could ever work. Yeah. Okay. That's how you respond. And it's a sad thing for her, but you know what? That's, you know, you have to make these decisions. Ultimately, she got what she deserved. Exactly right. Yeah. So what happened is Kent, super fan. Yeah. Say that super fan. He's in the Philippines uh, where, I don't know if y'all know this, but in the Philippines, mm. I'm quite popular. I've heard that. So, I heard a rumor you're on their money. I don't know if that's, that's true. I, it's, I'm not far from that, and uh, that's There's why legislation I, in parliaments as we speak. Maybe. The, the, this one, I tell people all the time, be nice to me because you know what? They appreciate me in the Philippines. Sure. Okay? <laughs> so I could be gone where people appreciate me anytime like now. Just like that. So in the Philippines, Brother Kent, he's broadcasting it. Okay. See what I'm saying? As you should do, as we instructed. Right. Tell everybody, everybody, this I'm into this podcast, y'all. Right. Say that podcast. What up? Holla. Right. That kind of thing. Just like that. You know. <laughs> here's what happened. He does that, and and here and now hold on to your seats. Here's what happened next. A lovely young lady in his uh, uh, fellowship group says, "Wait a second. Are you talking about Uncle Glenn? And he, he says, you know I am. And she says, oh, I'm down with that. And then uh, music started playing, Right. I assume. <laughs> and That may have been all the information we got from the tweets. The rest is a conjecture on Glenn's part. A soft filter went under the lens. Their eyes met. Oh, dream weaver. <laughs> and a connection was made. I believe. All right, that's yeah. Stop it, believe, or we're gonna get sued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what will we name our children? That's what happened. Probably okay. Glenn. Okay. And uh, here's what I'm saying: is um, if you are still having problems, and I assume that might be true for two or three people listening to this podcast with your love life, you need to follow Kent's example. Sure, absolutely. We can't do it for you. No, we're doing our part as best we can. You got to do your part. You have to do your part. You have to tell the people, hey, everybody in this area, I listen to the Say That podcast. If you also do, come, you know, and we'll connect. Right. That's a, you know. Right. That's how you have to do. Right. In the middle of that story, I was going to shout goal again, but yeah. it occurred to me people might read that as inappropriate. Right. So I decided not to do that. You know what, Jen? Well done. <laughs> We, you, that's, that's, Jed, you know what you scored? You scored a spiritual goal. <laughs> can, can, can I wait? Can, can I do it? No, no, no. Uh, you still can't do it. That's still that would still be inappropriate. Okay. Occasionally, we have to give Jed um, restraint points. <laughs> this whole operation really runs on positive reinforcement. 
<laughs> but, well, uh, we've reached the end of the restraint. It wasn't much there, but we got through it. But this is, uh, we try and tell the people, uh, you know, uh, we have made uh, solely for your benefit, we've made the world's most amazing podcast. Yeah. There's sure, some 120 plus hours of free content. And that's not just us saying that it's the best podcast in the world. There's probably literally. Uh, millions of people saying that around the world. I don't know who they are or where I might quote them at this moment. There could be, though. You can't I, prove otherwise. I, sure. I, we have no proof that that is not happening. Do you know everyone in the world, doubting listener? Thank you. Hello. Yeah. So This is uh, Chicago. We have a tradition of playing a little fast and loose with the poll numbers. So <laughs> yeah. uh, Basically millions. Here's yeah. what happens is we put the, the word out there because we want to see people make a connection. We want to see people have romance because here's what happens. You're following the Lord. You you love Jesus. You want to get this thing together, and you want to have sweet, sweet, sweet little Christian babies. Sure. Well, so you know. You skipped a couple steps in that story. You're not gonna. That's not going to happen unless you make a connection. You got to make a connection. And here's how you do it. You say, I listen to say that. Now, maybe you say, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go on the internets. I'm going to get on one of those, uh, what do you call it, websites, dating websites. Right. And I'm a Very put, important to specify what kind of website we're talking about. Here. That's kind a, of a broad it's a, net. It's a website for Christian singles. There you go. Now, what they'll have on there is that you put down all your vitals. Right. You know, height, you know, weight. Wait, like you know. blood pressure and pulse rate and stuff? Yeah, like I guess. I don't know. It's like it, if you bleed out, they're going to want to know <laughs> sure. what your blood type is. I don't know. Okay. But Red. Somewhere in there, it's going to say interests and hobbies or whatever. Right. First thing you put down, say that podcast. Come on now. Hello. And you spell out H-O-L-L-A exclamation point. Right. So that they understand. Or you could put, if you, if maybe your taste is different, you say, say that podcast woot. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Depends. You know. We're not trying to tell you how to do it. No, this is about yeah. You got to be the kind you of results. You, you got to you got to do you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the point is, you have to tell the people this is what I'm about. Right. Because you can't, just, uh, you can't think that they're just going to assume that you listen to exactly it. right. Because when they see that, they're going to say, "Now this person's sexy." Right. Because that's how that goes. Well, that's that's the whole game. You got to stand out a little bit. I mean, yeah. You say yeah, favorite books. You can say, "I like the Bible and C.S. Lewis." Everybody said that. Everybody you might said well not that. have typed anything. That didn't, you ain't moved a needle yet. You're a Christian, right. I understand. You say favorite book. You say book. What is this? The 18th century. We yeah. don't read books. We read blogs. Right. And I read Uncle Glenn's blog. Hello. You getting the people's attention. Would it be too much to have a tattoo that says, say that for life across no. your chest? Is there no. any such thing as too much? Okay. Uh, and I assume that's the uh, numeral four and life with a Y. Exactly right. Exactly right. right. Okay. Well, Another one. Cross your back. Only say that can judge me. Uh, no question. Sure. Okay. That would be. Well, you could do the Tupac um, thug life, but right. Uncle Glenn. Okay. Right. Like, over the, over the, over the belly button. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's or... gonna you're gonna want to make sure to get that when you're young and uh, keep your workout regimen up. Or it's gonna get <laughs> yeah. it's gonna get less dignified as time goes I, on. I, I got one more question. Right. You know, particularly given you know the Philippines is as popular as you yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I feel like you know brother like Kent now he owes you. Sure. Absolutely. Right. And no so question. he should you know he should plan to honor you with his firstborn child. No question. So I'm thinking. Bring together the need to honor you. Right. Probably he wants to have a little Kent. Right. Talking about naming him Glint. You, you, you were doing good there. Yeah, I kind of. I don't. I don't pretend to speak. I think it's Tagalog. What in the Philippines? Yeah. I can't imagine Glint being a pleasant sounding word in any language. That that probably is some vicious curse word in, in Tagalog. It just has the sound. If it's a daughter, Glenifer. And see, what happened is you were bringing Closer? the plane in for a landing, and you just ground it into the ground at the end. It was all perfect, yeah, nice went, glide path, and then it just... Just went nose down there nose at the end. Nose down at the end. You, you, don't want to be, you don't want to be honored? You don't want to be revered? Well, I, I, I think you could just name him Glenn. You know, that would be fine. With, the firstborn child. With a T. No, no not, not with a T. Just, just it's a, not a name. Just the same name. Not a you word. Just name the name. You don't have to be clever with it. Well, it's, you know, it's about. But that's the personal flavor part, bro. Yeah, no, that's, I. That's the thing. No. I understand that. I think if you want the personal flavor, what you do is you get the tattoo that says Uncle Glenn Porvida. 
Okay. Sure. Wow. And that nice. Uh, that, nice. that shows them that you're for real. Right. You know, and that showed uh, a very uh, nuanced understanding of the cultural history of the Philippines. And here's another thing. Uh, someone tell me this because uh, if you get a say that tattoo, we get a cut, right? Totally. I mean, that's because uh, that's a racket I want to get into. Sure. Oh yeah, we got a percentage. I assume we registered that trademark. Yeah, we gotta we gotta we gotta you know create the designs right and get some of the loot off right, of that right right because uh, I don't know we mentioned this in the last podcast I'm starting an ultra church. Sure. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. that's how tattoos work. I think if you get like a, a Mickey Mouse tattoo, like the little three circles, pretty sure a lawyer from Disney just shows up at your house. Yeah. Because it's <laughs> some people go to a mega church, and right. that's okay if you like sort of a smaller thing. Right. Know? If you like to limit your vision. Yeah, mine's going to be bigger than that. Right. It's an ultra church. So, you know, but yours is nice too. Right. Sure. Don't feel <laughs> inadequate because you, you yours is only mega. Sure. Because mine's going to be ultra. Usually going to be the first church with a satellite, but that's actually an orbiting satellite of every planet in the solar right. system. Right. Sure. Yeah. The watchtower, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you might, the Justice League one, not the Jehovah's Witness one. No, it's Just very want to be clear different. about that. Very different. Uh, I bel- yeah, that's that's what that's what it's going to be. Well, in- I think you can we can run with that idea because in the one of the proud traditions of the mega church is the. Um, Overly sincere yet passive aggressive billboard. Right. There's there's a mega church in Knoxville where uh, Lee and I are from where uh, for a long time there's like pictured a sandals like a dude's feet and sandals uh-huh. and it said church but different, which is Lee and his what? boss pointed out the translation of that is church but good unlike your crappy church. Yeah, that's the subtext. Yeah, Shit. so I think you had the the ultra church you put up in you know. You go to neighborhoods where there's a mega church and go, right. you know, Uncle Glenn Ultra Church. Right. Mega church. That's adorable. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's good. There's a picture it. of you like patting Mark Griscoll on the head and right. tussling his hair. Yeah. Yeah. That's adorable. <laughs> Are you mega? It, it's, oh, that's cute. That I remember when I used to be a little mega church. Oh. Now I'm in a big giant ultra church. Call me when you're ultra. Maybe you guys should yeah. talk about growth more. That's probably your problem. Yeah. I don't know if sermons about the growth plan in your mega church. That's why it's not ultra. <laughs> and on that basis, I declare a love emergency off. Now that we've offended pretty much everyone in the entire world. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's the normal plan for these emergencies. Yeah. Somehow we went out from a sports angle, a uh, cultural angle, and a theological angle there. That was, I think we got a lot of damage done right and there. Jed scored a restraint goal. <laughs> Excellent. A goal for spiritual restraint. <laughs> well, I think we're uh, we're very soon off the uh, the 30th anniversary of Ghostbusters. Yeah, which is a movie I like a lot because I'm old. But there's a line that the judge reminded me of where they're in the the ballroom at the beginning before they've caught Slimer, and uh, the Dan Aykroyd character says, "Let's spread out." And Bill Bill Murray's response is, "Yeah, we can do more damage that way." <laughs> I feel like that's what's happened in that emergency. We all took different areas, but we just ended up <laughs> wreaking havoc in the yeah. area we went to, which yeah. I think is good. Yeah. Well, now it's time to plug Bridgebox because that's what I have to do. Now that you're all offended, I'm going to ask you for money because that's my life. Yeah. That's how things have to happen. Seems pretty exciting. Here's the deal with Bridgebox. I've heard us talk about it before, I hope, unless you don't pay attention during this part of the podcast, in which case I think you're doing it wrong. Bridgebox, $8 a month. You get lots of cool stuff to minister to you. You get music, videos, sermons, writings, lots of neat stuff from all the people here on this podcast and uh, some of our great friends from around the country and around the world. We've had some international contribution. Uh, f- and your $8 goes not to ma- having us construct an ultra church, though that's in the plans at some point. But for right now, we're just doing ministry with people on the streets and in the jailhouse right here in Chicago. So it's kind of a ministry multiplier. You get stuff that ministers to you. And because you did that, we get to help people at the bottom of life right here in Chicago. It's a great deal. You can sign up at missionusa.com slash bridgebox. If you want to do the same thing, get a little extra Lee Younger flavor and help fund the work Lee does down there with uh, young folks and uh, folks who through a tough time down there in Tennessee. You can sign up for the Bridgebox Lee Younger version at missionusa.com slash BBLOI or you can email me matt at missionusa.com. Get a super secret link to get both for a discounted price. All right, we're going to jump into our first question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, we'll give you some ways to get in in touch with us. Question says, I've been having a lot of doubts lately. I've been going to church since I was small, believed God was cruel for a good portion of my life, and came back to him three years ago. Lately, I've been questioning if God really is real or not. What if all this I've been believing is not real? I've never questioned this before because I grew up in church, and it's scaring me that these thoughts are even occurring. I'm even a leader at church, so I feel like I should step down for the time being. Any advice? Jed, can you start us off? 
I can, if it helps at all, I can totally relate to everything you're describing. Yeah. Um, the the one part of your question I'd like to look at before I kick it to these other fellows is that you, for a long time, believe God was cruel. Because I think that may be the, the crux of what we're dealing with here. The thing that I, if we were sitting together in person, I want to ask you is, uh, do we still think God's cruel? Uh, did, did we wrestle with that doubt um, and get to a place of peace with it, or did we just kind of stop thinking about it? Because those are actually two very, very different things. Here's the thing. Um, it No one could fault you for looking at the world and maybe looking at your own life and deciding, you know what, I think God is just a cruel dude. No one could fault you for that, because there's um, plenty of evidence that could support that belief. Um there's also, of course, uh, plenty of evidence that goes in the opposite direction, that maybe God is a really merciful, kind, giving uh, dude. But if you're inclined to think that he's cruel, there's there's a lot of supporting details on that. I think the thing that we want to look at is what got you started thinking maybe God's cruel to begin with? Um, I'm going to guess that uh, something happened in your life. Um, you know, maybe uh, something happened to somebody that you cared about. Maybe, um, you know, uh, you went through some kind of, you know, really deep disappointment, and it felt like if God really loved me, if God really cared about me, this things would have gone different. Um, this, this person I care about wouldn't have gone through this. Um, I wouldn't have gone through this. It, things would not have worked out this way. And I think if we want to get to a place of peace with God, I think we need to wrestle that out. I think we need to insist on not leaving that question half answered. I can tell you this, that of the vast majority of people that we deal with who would say that they're questioning whether or not God exists, what they're actually struggling with is they're insanely angry at God. That's yeah. what's actually going yeah. on. There are people out there who really just, you know, just have kind of an an academic, intellectual, you know, I don't know if there's a God or not, but that's not most people. Most most people are actually super duper angry at God, and, and that's what's really going on. So here's what I want you to know, my friend, is you're allowed to be mad at God. Um, you're allowed to be pissed at him. You're allowed to question him. And you're allowed to demand some form of explanation. You won't be the first person that God loved and was a godly person to do that either. When you look at the book of Job, what you see is a person who loved God but was so mad at him, and, and pretty understandably right. so, insisting on God, I, I need you to say something here. I, I need you to show up and give some kind of answer because what the heck is going on? And the funny thing is uh, I don't think God minds that exactly. Now, God, it turns out, is going to answer. God's answer began with, why don't you brace yourself because we're about to have a very serious conversation. But as long as that thought doesn't scare you, as long as you're ready to actually have a conversation with the Lord about it, I think he's game. So I, I think giving yourself permission to to be mad and um, insisting that we're going to work this thing all the way out. We're going to we're going to uh, uh, wrestle with these doubts. We're going to talk this through with the Lord and we're not going to quit until we get to a place of uh, resolution. Until I've heard what the Lord has to say on this subject. I'm not going to go halfway with this process. I'll tell you one more thing before I pass to these other brothers. In order to to wrestle that through you have to give yourself permission to do three things. You got to give yourself permission to be angry, which you're certainly allowed to do. You got to give yourself permission to feel whatever you feel. Feelings are neither good nor bad. They, they're just feelings. You got to give yourself permission, though, to feel them and to not pretend like you're supposed to feel a certain way. But here's one more you got to give yourself permission to ask hard questions. The thing that gets in the way of a lot of Christians is they feel like they're not allowed to ask questions. They're not allowed to ask God, God, where were you when this was going on? Yeah. Where were you? Why didn't you do something else? Yeah. When you look at the Psalms, you see people asking questions like that of God repeatedly. Yeah. Certainly when you look at the book of Job, you see uh, uh, people asking questions like that of God repeatedly. Those were godly people. It turns out that's what godly people do. Godly people yeah. ask the hard questions of God so that they can be on the same page with God, yeah. so that they can be, um, they can have peace and, and solidity in that relationship. And that's what we want for you. Um, uh, encourage you to, to walk that road and get those answers and get that peace. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely, Glenn. Well, and I want to come in on the same note, and we're certainly very 
sorry that you've apparently had a, a rough uh, road here on uh, your faith. Uh, I agree. Uh, uh, asking questions uh, uh, is a thing I think people are afraid to do. I think they have a, a thought about asking questions that it's disrespectful to yeah. ask questions of God, that we're we're questioning him, we're making him answer for things uh, in an accusative uh, tone that we're bringing to him, and we feel like that we're not worthy to do that and what have you. Uh, if if I could respectfully tell you about that as someone a little more mature, perhaps in the faith, uh, that that is not it. Yeah, that's not that's the wrong way to look at that. Uh, the the right way to look at it is you have feelings and you have questions, and in this case, clearly those questions are warranted, uh, and therefore the sense that already exists, the best and the most um, uh, holy and righteous thing and most responsible thing you can do is to ask those questions, to yeah. put it out there. Uh, so if you want to know, uh, if you have questions, if you have doubts, what makes those acceptable versus unacceptable, what makes those things good versus not good, it really comes down to this. If you have questions that you ask, that's good. Yep. If you have questions you are not asking, that's bad. Yep. It's that simple. Uh, whatever fears and worries and doubts and questions you have in your mind that you repress and that you sweep under the rug, the devil takes that and uses that to mess with you. Yes. That's how that actually works. If you go before God and say, I'm about to ask a really disrespectful question, but it's killing me and I don't know what else to do. Here's my question. God is pleased with that. He's happy to deal with that. Uh, of course, he hurts for you as we do that you're struggling on this. He hurts for you that you're confused on this stuff. But it's his desire to help you answer these questions and have some relief in this area. So uh, the questions get you to that place, and you need to see the questions as that. Uh, forget about trying to be a good, sweet little Christian that never questions anything. That those, those people backslide horribly and end up right where you are now. Yep. So why don't you just go ahead and move forward from where you're at? Ask those questions. Um, uh, I also, yeah, I, I, I think you're. You talk about questioning whether God is real, uh, and along the lines of what Jez is saying here, I think you're questioning whether everything you've heard about God is real. Yes. And uh, you have almost certainly, based on the way you're wording your question, you have almost certainly heard a ton of things about God that's not real. Yep. And you should doubt those things, and you should check those things, and you should be concerned, and you should uh, reject those things that aren't real. And I think you should engage in that process enthusiastically and immediately. I don't think you should be worried or concerned about that. And I think you should set an example. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to come to a place where you said, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so or pastor so-and-so said something, and it turns out to be horribly wrong. Now, you got a choice there. One choice is to say, sweep it under the rug, ignore it, move on, just, you know, we're all one big happy family, don't pay attention, just keep going. That's one option. Uh, again, the devil will mess with that and end up taking you out. Option two is to say, brother so-and-so, pastor so-and-so was wrong, period, the end. No excuse for that. No, uh, uh, no making allowance for it. When you're right, you're right. When you're wrong, you're wrong. This was wrong, period, the end, full stop. And you can choose within that to be understanding with that person about why they said the wrong thing. You can be patient with that person off of saying the wrong thing. But you're going to come to a place where you either declare, I've heard wrong stuff from people who did not know what they were talking about and move through that. Or you're stuck in this cycle of trying to hide from yourself that you've heard those lies and that you've been poisoned by that. And that's a, it's a tough confrontation and it's a tough thing to deal with. But we want to be supportive to you and we want you to encourage you to take those things on because you can't live in these old, uh, ugly things that you've heard about God and try and 
build a new healthy relationship out of that. Yeah, totally. Lee? Well, I love everything that these guys have said on this. And the the one thing that I want to add at the end is you, you say at the last part of your question, I'm even a leader at church, so I feel like I should step down for the time being. Um, I, I want to speak to that for a second and say that if everybody in ministry were to step down whenever they have doubts about God. No one would be there. No one would ever be in ministry. That's if the, those people in ministry are honest. Okay, so so all that to say, if, if you're wondering, do you mean that that Glenn and Jed and Matt and Lee sometimes have doubts? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, absolutely. Um, everybody in ministry has these doubts. We all struggle with these same questions. Um, anybody who's honest struggles with these questions. I'm, uh, and I under, look, I understand your instinct. You're, you, you know, in, in your mind, what you're thinking is, I'm having doubts about God, therefore I am not qualified to be a person to lead somebody or to help somebody along in their walk with God. Um, I, I understand how that makes sense in your head. The reason it makes so much sense is that the devil is being slick with that one. Um, here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to encourage you to do the opposite, which is to lean into ministry. And not only to lean into ministry, but whatever whatever scope your ministry has right now, what I want to encourage you to do is to look at whatever aspect of that ministry gets you one-on-one with conversation in conversations with people who need some love, need some friends, need somebody to hang out with, need somebody to answer their questions. You get one-on-one with somebody, and here's the thing that happens, and these guys can attest to you, this is absolutely true. There's something that happens to me when I'm having doubts about the Lord and all this kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden I find myself in a conversation with somebody who's really struggling. And and without even meaning to, I find myself, you know, on one plane, I'm talking to this person who's having a hard time. On another plane, I am desperately praying to the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me figure this person's problem out. I'm feeling a love for them. I'm feeling a burden for their problem. Uh, And you and I need to be on a team right now working to help this person. All of a sudden, you're not having doubts about the existence of God because you and God are on a tear trying to figure this person's problem out together. And uh, you're, you're, it's just this really cool moment when you actually lean into the ministry where you're actually helping one person out. You're in a conversation with them. You're praying for them. You're, you're, uh, you're trying to solve a problem with them. You're working as a team together. And the Lord becomes so real to you in those moments. You need him. You need his answers. You need his wisdom. You need his power. Or what happens is you're hanging out with those people one-on-one, and they come to you, and they're like, oh, man. We prayed about that thing last week. Let me tell you what the Lord did, how he answered that. And then you see the evidence of the Lord. There's so many cool things that happen when you go ahead and dive further into that ministry. Like I said, everybody in ministry goes through these doubts from one time or another, at one time or another, but I'm going to encourage you to lean into it because you find yourself on a wavelength with the Lord that is at a totally different level than somebody, you know, than, than when you're just kind of normally in the middle of your own problems and you're, you can't change the channel off of your own struggles and situations and questions and stuff like that. When you are, are in the middle of serving someone else, and really trying to figure out what the answer is, you'll find yourself uh, in a, in a, situa- a situation with the Lord where a lot of those doubts are simply going to evaporate. A lot of them will, and then you'll find yourself really pulling that other person along to the place where you are. That's a great point. I want to tack one little thing on the end here that's going to sound like it's um, kind of an opposing viewpoint to that, but it's not. It's actually on the same wavelength, and I'll explain how that is. You say uh, the thing that in your question that makes me take stop and take pause about you being in in leadership at a church is not that you're having doubts. As Lee said, that, that's totally par for the course, and in many ways is as it should be. Doubts are something that you're going to have to wrestle with. They're going to drive your faith. They're going to make you stronger. That's all cool. When you say this thing, you're like, I basically have been in a relationship with Jesus for three years. That is an interesting that may be a problem with being in leadership at a church. One of the things the Bible does say pretty clearly about people in leadership is they shouldn't be new Christians. And so there's something about, you know, you say you went to church and you're a kid, whatever. That's, that could count, could not count. There's no number in there. But 
none of that is talking about ministry and leadership is not ministry. Those yeah. are actually separate things. One of the things that tends to t- tweet people out who may be dealing with some, uh, some doubts or some issues when they're in ministry is not the ministry part. Sometimes as Lee's pointing out, that's the part of it you like. That's the part of you that, that makes you feel alive in that, but it's that being official and on front street and being yeah. on the mic and stuff. And you can take a, a, some time out from all that and do exactly what Lee's talking about. You can say, I, don't, I you can go to whoever, you don't have to put yourself on blast about the doubt. Say, look, I'm re- looking at some things and I'd like to relinquish whatever title or not lead this small group or whatever official thing and still hang out with people, have these conversations. Lee's talking about that. I think that would take a lot of pressure off you as you're figuring out what you want your walk, personal walk with Jesus to look like. And you can do all that, you can enact all the great things Lee just said, but without some of those, um, titles and official things that tend to get in our head a little bit. I think that you obviously don't have to take advice we give you, but I think that may be a big help on top of some of this other stuff you said. All right, we're going to move to our second question here. This came in to our email inbox. It says, I was wondering how it was when Jed, Lee, and Glenn decided. I'm sorry. I mean, Glenn, Jed, and Lee decided. That's in the email, people. Correct. Correct. Taking up on the bits. That's the correct order. This is somebody who does some serious deep dives in these listens. We appreciate that. Decided to propose to their wives. Was there like a super spiritual revelation where God split open the clouds and said, yes, marry that girl? Because where I am right now, I just know that this is a girl that I want to be with for a very long time, who I think can help me grow into a better disciple of Jesus, and would be someone that would cheer me on and have my back as we follow Jesus. But should I be waiting for a definite yes moment from God, any advice y'all have will be greatly appreciated and rewarded with wedding invitations. There you go. Glenn, why don't you start us off? No, I, uh, once you say wedding invitation. Yeah, I'm, you, that I'm actually gonna, that really piques Glenn's disinterest. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to go to any weddings. That's not, <laughs> I don't like weddings, generally speaking. But um, <laughs> the more Christian they are, the more Glenn don't like them. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing about uh, this. Yes, um, uh, I did hear a clear yes from the Lord. No. There wasn't a, a parting the clouds, as you pointed, uh, put it, but I definitely listened to the Lord on the subject. I definitely asked the Lord very clearly about it. I was already in full-time ministry when I met uh, my current wife, and um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that joke. You're going to pay for that one. Uh, Just so you people know, i got to interject. You, yeah. you think, you know, uh, Glenn, Sunday morning, at a Lutheran church, so yes. we've gone into do a gig where where Jane had had been fussing with me in the car all the way there. <laughs> Glenn walks in and it, you know meets one of the chief uh, church ladies and says, "And this is Jane, my first wife." <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it turns out it's not an act on the show. We we're actually like this in real life. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I I, I heard uh, I th- it was a very serious thing for because she was in full time ministry as well when we met and was doing great work and so for both of us. Uh, this was, if you can dig it, sort of a career decision as well as a marriage decision. So you bet I prayed through that with uh, a fine-tooth comb and made sure that we had that right. Um, but there's a couple of things I desperately want to tell you about that while while I've got you on the line. First is I get a lot of these questions about uh, marriage and, and dating, and here's what's missing from basically all of them the uh the sexy part the physical Ooh. part the the thing but there's a disturbing lack of how she looks in them pants in this question yeah there's a lot of i think we could be a really great team and i think we could pray together and i think we could read the bible together and i could you know but there's nothing about this marriage yeah this gal really is hot and yeah. i really love in a being Christian around context her. there's kind of one specific thing that sets marriage apart from all other friendships yes yeah. see exactly yeah i get a lot of these questions where she's my best friend i'm like yeah I don't, that's not the whole thing really i mean there there's supposed to be sexy parts you know um so i think that's the thing is uh i was very honest with god in fact it was basically the 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 main thing i was discussing with the lord is Lord, I know we could make a good marriage here. We're, we're, we're in the same profession. We have the same values, all of that. I know we can make something out of this. What I'm worried about is that my physical attraction would cause me to uh, be fixated on someone when you have someone else in mind for me. So the physical thing was, was a big part of that prayer of, Lord, I know I want this in a physical way. I know I can see the spiritual benefit. I can see that we'd make a good team, blah, blah, blah. 
But that's not, I mean, people don't get married because they make a great uh, team and they don't get married because they think that we could be really good friends together. They get married because they're hot for each other. I mean, 100% of all marriages everywhere happen because two people are hot for each other. So uh, uh, we, you need to be honest with us about that and, and whoever else that you ask for marital advice about. But, you, the, you know, that was a big part of my prayer then you're asking about prayer. That's what I put out front was, Lord, I'm hot for this person, but that hotness doesn't indicate spiritual truth of what I should do. It's you're not saying that's not the fire of the Holy Spirit. You're feeling exactly right. Is I can't I <laughs> I can't use certain parts of my body as if they were a compass to to. to uh, Thank point to, I just I just had to had it to came up in there, my mind I, I had the visual I could not do that I know you agree with me Go <laughs> okay well I'm, I'm gonna speaking of World Cup I'm gonna get an offsides flag for this podcast yes well and and uh, I I say all this with a p- complete confidence that uh that it'll all be cut out of the final edit Right, uh, sure. I we, heavily we, we edit do this that, show. Right, <laughs> right yeah. Um, but here's the thing: uh, be honest with the Lord. Be honest with yourself yeah. about that, um, and and be honest with the people that again they're giving you counseling advice because they're used to that and they know that's how this stuff works. You don't have to try and impress people with that. Uh, final thing, and and this really it's important that we talk about this when we do marital counseling. Here's what we find out. A huge percentage of Christian couples never really pray this through yeah. the way you're asking about. Yep, yep, yep. They pray about it, you understand, but they don't really wait for an answer. It's more of, hey, God, we think this is great, and we're going to whatever, and here's our plan, so just sign at the bottom, and we'll go ahead with this. And here's the other thing. You wouldn't believe how little prayer happens after they hear that. Yes. Oh yes. There's no. Mine. As soon as the Lord told me yes, my next thing was, okay, Lord, you need to give me about ten thousand details about what I'm supposed to do with this marriage and what it's supposed to look like and how I'm supposed to act and that the the prayer really uh, that was just the first detail of a thousand details that had to come behind that all of which needed to be uh, prayed through and um and I'm and I'm still trying to hear from the Lord on what I should be doing in my marriage so I really want to encourage you uh, that a lot of marital problems uh, in Christian marriages are two people who think they're a perfect couple, quote unquote, and they lined everything out and they obeyed all the rules and then they got married and they're expecting everything to work out right without God being involved in the leadership of that church, of that uh, marriage, sorry. Sure, which is a church, theologically speaking, yeah. said trying to save this and failing pretty miserably. Lee? Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, so the one thing that I think is a danger because I, I, you know, I've I've spent a lot of years talking to a lot of young people about dating relationships and potential engagements and marriages and stuff like that is um, when you know when you do have a good marriage and young people are around it, you know, you hear a lot of, you know, well, I want what you guys have. Um, and there's a whole lot about that that's healthy. It's like, yeah, you do want a good marriage. You want. Uh, you want a marriage that's filled with respect. You want a marriage that's filled with the with all, all these all these you know the the scriptural values for love, the kindness and the patience and all that kind of stuff. You you do want all that. You in some sense, yes, that that's appropriate and healthy. For, you do want what we have. On the other hand, what can what can happen in some of these situations is people have a couple of spiritual mentors in their life, and they say. I want exactly your story to happen to me, or I will never believe that. Hello, it's true. hello. You know, now that's that's a dangerous situation. People say, "Well, okay, well, you know, because uh, I've had this question a lot. You know, how did you know with Christy? Because I'm looking for exactly what. However, you answer this question, that's what I'm looking for, and I will not see any other road signs. That's a very dangerous thing to set up because you wind up missing everything. You've just got kind of some tunnel vision for something that's part of my story, um, or that's part of Glenn's story or Jed's story. These are highly individual things. The Lord works in tons of different ways with different timetables at different ages with different extenuating circumstances through different kinds of heartbreak and unbelievable situations stuff we we could have never made up or put together so it's important that uh, the the thing that i really love ab- about glenn's answer and it's the absolute truth is that are you willing to let you know the kind of the heart of this is are you willing to let jesus be the shot caller on 
what you do with your romantic, your sexual life, all, all that kind of stuff. Are, are you willing to, are you willing to, to take the time to listen and all that kind of stuff? Now, that being said, um, the, the one thing, one thing I will say, cause I was talking to, I was talking to a friend about this the other day that, um, you know, f- for, for me and Christy, well, I, I can say for me anyway, uh, from basically from the time I met Christy, I wanted to be with her for the rest of my life. I, I, I just, I knew that. And, but there was a whole lot of, of time, bef- you know, between the time that we met till the time that we dated. And then there was a whole lot of time between the time that we started dating and the time that we got engaged. And one of the things that happened was we, we did have a period of time where we were dating long distance. And for those of you that have done that before, that's a very difficult thing to carry out. Now, we dated long distance before there were cell phones and before there, you know, before there were affordable cell phones and there was no Skype and none of that kind of stuff. And so it, there, it was just a much more difficult you know, situation to actually date long distance. Our contact was, was much less. And I, I give you all that background story to say that, it, that we, we were in love with each other. We were super, you know, like I, we were just super attracted to each other. That whole thing, all those things were in place. We knew that we wanted this relationship. And at the same time, I know that I had to flip a switch in my head that said, this is not the same thing as taking wedding vows, but I flipped a switch in my head that said, I'm going to commit to making this relationship work. Okay. Now, what that means is I am accepting the fact that it's not going to be rosy every day. It's going to be difficult. We're going to have misunderstandings. We're going to have difficulties. It's going to be, sometimes it's going to be seemingly impossible, but I am going to go for this thing. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, I'm going to flip a switch that says I'm committed to this. And if it, and, and if there's something that comes up to where it's, it's, it's apparent that this is not going to work out, then we'll know you know, then, then it's not going to work out. But I'm, and and again, let me say, this is not the same level as the commitment you make when you take your vows before God and your wedding ceremony. But this is, this is saying, you know, I'm not a kid and I'm not playing around and I'm going to commit myself to this relationship. That means I'm going to work it out. I'm going to have hard conversations. I'm going to see them through to the end. We're going to give somebody the benefit of the doubt and a misunderstanding. We're going to work this stuff out. I'm going to go for this thing because yes, all the attraction is there and all the, all the, the butterfly feelings, all that stuff is, is it was turned up to 11 all the time. But, uh, there was this other thing, which was, do I want this to work? Because actual relationships are so much, so difficult that the, all the butterfly and attraction and stuff like that can't actually see it through. So it's you know at some point we had to make a decision to say I'm going to actually commit to this and uh, and that's an important piece and I don't know what your story is going to be I don't know what all those ins and outs are but you know listening to the Lord and submitting your life to Him is the first and foremost thing and the second thing is have you is this a person that you feel comfortable saying I'm going to flip the switch in my mind and I'm going to go for this thing I'm going to commit to it not marriage vows but I'm going to commit to going through the tough stuff totally Jed. Uh, yeah, appreciate your question. Uh, uh, totally agree with everything Glenn said and everything Lee said. Here's what I encourage you to do. Let's assume for a second that the Lord's answer is yes. Now what? I'd encourage you to sit down with a journal or a laptop somewhere you can write and start put down on paper everything, uh, not wedding planning stuff. I, I don't mean that, like who do we invite and the napkins, whatnot. But everything that you guys need to work on in order to have a successful marriage. But let's, let's just as a thought experiment, let's assume that you go to the Lord and you could hear him with crystal clarity and say, Lord, would you have me marry this woman? And he says, yes. Let's assume that's the case. And then write down, here are the issues I need to work on in myself in order to um, be able to be a good husband. Here are the issues that this young lady needs to work on in herself in order to be able to be a good wife. And then here are the issues that we need to work on together in order to have a successful godly marriage. I encourage you to, to write all of that down. And the reason for it is marriage is an unbelievable amount of work. I mean, just incredibly incredibly demanding now it's worth it a good marriage is uh, i can't tell you how worth it is but it is a 24 hour a day job seven days a week and you 
absolutely should not get married if you're not prepared to give that everything you've got. Amen. Um, uh, you hear me say that. You just heard Lee said that, and then you heard right. Glenn Amen on that. So there's there's 100% agreement on that. I think part of what gets in the way of you listening to the Lord is your own uncertainty of am I ready for this? Let me repeat that. Part of what gets in the way of hearing what God is leading us to do on things, not just marriage, is our own feelings about it. It certainly sounds like a situation where if you ask the Lord, you know, would you have me marry this, this young lady, there's every chance he'd say yes. But I think if you um, are unsure of yourself on it, it's going to be a lot harder to hear what God has to say because your own doubts are getting in the way. I think anyone who's being realistic looks at marriage and goes, man, this is, this is a tall order, this is tough, and I've seen a lot of good people make a mess of it. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that. That's okay. If we want to work through that, we need to get down on paper what we're up against. We need to know what hill it is we're trying to get over. The truth, of course, is you can do it. If you will chart a course, you and your lady together and letting Jesus call shots, if you'll chart a course, you can get over that hill. You can work through issues and get to a place of having a really cool marriage, but you have to be clear that that's the process you're submitting to in order to do that. Where Christians get in trouble is they decide, well, we're both Christian, and we didn't do much in the way of sexy stuff, so like God owes us a good marriage now. So we'll <laughs> we'll just get married, and then we'll just be married. And that has never worked, shall never work, forever and ever, amen. Marriages are built. That's it, period. The only yeah, way yeah, that yeah. good marriages exist is when two people amen. work unbelievably hard all day, every day. You can do that. You, If you and your lady commit together to do that, you can do that with the Lord's help, but you have to know that's what you're getting into. And you have to decide that's what you're committing to. And if you're prepared to do that, I think then if you go back to listening to the Lord, it's going to be a lot easier to hear whether or not God uh, is giving his blessing to that marriage because you're going to know whether or not the two of you are prepared to do what is involved in making a godly marriage. Absolutely. If you wrote that question, if you heard me reading that question, we're hoping for a tender, heartwarming, uh, rosy-tinted stories, you're really listening to the wrong Christian podcast. <laughs> Uh, you really should have known better. All right, we're going to go to our last question here. This came in anonymous with our Tumblr. It says, how do you honor your parents when they are often toxic to be around? Mm. I'm an adult, but my mother's constant criticism and invalidation is weighing on me. Her negative comments on my appearance and lack of general respect for what I believe makes working with her a nightmare. This has always been a problem in our relationship. I cannot confront her on how utterly hurtful she can be because any criticism, no matter how kindly or gently given, of her behavior is met with indignation and passed off as me being, quote, too sensitive and or too selfish. That, or she gets so down on herself and I take it all back just to make her feel better and I walk away as the villain. I love my mother very much and I don't want to end our relationship, but her overbearing and manipulative behavior makes it hard to respect her. Any thoughts? Lee, can you start us off? Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, this is not easy stuff, and I'm sorry that you're going through it. Um, uh, to be frank, it sounds really sucky, and uh, I'm I'm sorry this is happening. Uh, there's so many words in here that just um, that you know you, you, when we look at a question like this, our our hearts just kind of break for you. You know, words like toxic and nightmare and stuff like that. It's that's that's really really sucky. Um, so. What I have to say to you on this, um, there's there's an easy part and there's a hard part. Um, the easy part goes like this: uh, you already said step one, which is you said uh, you uh, a couple of little details. You said I'm an adult, and then you said the fiance the fiance and I are financing the wedding completely. Okay, so those are the two components that equal the easy part. Here we go. Because you're an adult and you and your fiancé are financing the wedding completely, you sit down, and in a respectful and kind way, you say, Mom, you are fired from the wedding planning. Um, I love you, and, um, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, you, you're welcome to attend. We'd love to have you there. But uh, we are now planning this wedding completely. Uh, you're, you're, you're not part of it. Um, uh and that's the easy part. And I, and I know that probably sounds really difficult. The hard part here is when you say, you know, when, when, uh, you know, when I, when I try to give the, when I try to push back on this, she gets so down on herself that I wind up taking it all back and I walk away as the villain. 
Well, this is the hard part, is getting to the place where you, you say to yourself, I can no longer care what her opinion of me is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the hard part. Um, and to be honest, I don't, I, there, there's not something that I can say that's a magic bullet that will make you not care what your mom thinks about you. I wish there were. If there were, man, we could move right through this. Because the truth is that you and your fiance could plan an awesome wedding. You don't need your mom to do it. And anybody that, that cuts you down on your appearance and stuff like that, they shouldn't have a right to, uh, to, to be a part of the planning anyway. They shouldn't have a voice in your life. to. Uh, you, they shouldn't have inf- a voice of influence at all. But you have to decide that. Um, and and uh, you have to get to the place where you realize um, the Lord's opinion of me is the most important opinion of me. And then my spouse... And after that, everybody else can take a number. Um, but, you know, somebody that cuts you down, that treats you this way, that's toxic and is a nightmare, that, that's somebody that you don't need to be listening to their opinion of you. And, uh, and, and I don't know exactly. I, I, I can't say the magic words that are going to make you not care about that. But I do think you need to do the easy thing. I do, need, I do think you need to say, look, we're paying for this wedding, so we officially are, um, we're, we're officially asking you not to be a part of the planning anymore because that's going to make a lot of your headache go away. It's going to be a hard conversation, and there might, you know, it, 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 it might not go well, um, but uh, I think that's your answer on that. And then the deeper answer is to get to a place where uh, you're not worried about how she sees you. That's great stuff, Jed. Well, my friend, uh, we're really sorry that you're going through a hard time. Um, if it helps at all, uh, I certainly can. Most of us on this podcast can relate at least to a certain degree to the kind of stuff that you're dealing with. So uh, how do you show respect to a toxic, messed up, manipulative parent? Um, uh, not easily. That's, <laughs> that's yeah, the answer. Yeah. Um, they're not putting you in a position to be able to do that, really. Yeah, I mean, they're they're kind of making it borderline impossible. Uh, I think Lee is absolutely right that getting to a place where their opinion of you just doesn't move the needle—that's where we got to land. There's, mm. you know, it's it's, but that's incredibly hard to do. I mean, it's just that's so difficult. But I I think I have something that'll help, and that thing is perspective. One of the things that we've got to shift is the way that we view this person. I'm going to tell you a quick story that's not about a parent, about a parent, but I think it'll help to. to illustrate this so we have a service on tuesday nights called the bridge and we have folks from the inner city that come to it and pretty regularly we have folks that are drunk when mm-hmm. they come yeah. um you know we don't mind that at all come right. you know come as you are um and, and we have folks that are tipsy no problem we have folks that are a little bubbly no problem we have folks that are a little bit on the knots no problem but every once in a while we have somebody come in who is so drunk i mean they can't stay in their seat Right. Uh, I yeah. mean, they're 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 helping to preach the sermons. It's yeah. it's a whole thing, yeah, you know, know. and it's you know, every you know couple of months we'll have somebody and we screen at the door pretty carefully. But every couple of months we'll have somebody, you know, sneak in. And we had a, a fellow the, a few a uh, few months back, you know, uh, it's a sweet guy. We love him to death. Yeah. We love all the guys we work with. But man, he was drunk. I mean, yeah. that <laughs> that dude, I don't know. And I asked him, I said, bro, have you if you had some if you had a little bit to drink today? Oh, no, I've had a lot to drink today. That was <laughs> right. okay. Yeah. Like, okay, man. So I'm I'm breaking now from a look, bro. Um, you know, you're a little bit you know more drunk than we can actually have you be here because you actually you know don't have the ability to sit or be quiet. You don't have the ability to sit or be quiet, and these other fellows are going to think you're being disrespectful. And I know you're not, but mm-hmm. they're going to think that. So you know, we're just gonna we're gonna make you a plate of food, and right. then you know get you home where you can sleep it off and just come back next week. Love right. to, to have you next week. And this guy could not hear that to save his right. life. Didn't right. didn't want that. Finally, there was a key moment. You know, I I talked to him, and then you know Glenn's obviously my boss. He didn't want to listen, so I grabbed Glenn and. Glenn told him all the same things I told him, and right. he, he didn't want to listen to that either. And uh, But he, he looked at Glenn, and he said, man, don't you remember the story in the <laughs> Bible where the guy showed up drunk at church, but Jesus let him stay? Don't you remember that story? And, and Glenn got kind of this incredulous look on his face and said, no, brother, I, I don't think I remember that story. And the guy, I'm not making this up, he, he just he paused a moment, Without stares Glenn dead in the eye. Missing a beat right in the eye says you don't remember the story where jesus healed somebody <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> turn on a dime i mean perfect delivery right we're busting up and that's right. about the moment we go time to go friend right. all right, right. I, I, I tell you that story to tell you this there's no difference between that dude and your parent right, right. no difference at all the difference is in your perception 
In both cases, you have a hurting person who's out of control doing things that are laughably absurd if we can only give ourselves permission to see it for what it is. That doesn't make it not hurtful, but it does mean we don't have to take it seriously. So much of parental authority derives from the way that we look at our parent. From the way that we see them. Well, when we kind of are in that mode of our five-year-old self where, you know, mom always knows best Mm -hmm. because she's mom and so whatever mom says. Well, that's the entire basis of your universe making sense is these people who are in charge of every part of my life must be smart. Otherwise, life would be horrifying all the time. Exactly right. Exactly right. But if we really want to break through there, it's about perspective. It's about seeing this person for who they actually are. That doesn't mean we're looking down on them. That doesn't mean that we're um, you know, that we hate them or don't love them, but it does mean, dude, this is a broken, messed up, hurting person. I right. can't allow myself to take what they say seriously. Right. I just, that wouldn't even begin to make sense. When the drunk dude at the bridge is trying to make up a story about <laughs> Jesus letting the guy who's drunk at church stay right. in order to make us feel bad for right. telling me he has to come back next week, right. we laugh that off because we know right. what that is. Right. But the thing is we don't most of the time let ourselves do that with our parents even though it's the exact same thing next time you have a hard time your mom i want you to think about the drunk dude at church talking about jesus letting somebody stay at church and remember it's the same thing and give yourself permission that moment to do what you got to do just think about the parable of the drunk guy at church is a phrase you'll only hear on this podcast. (laughs) lynn go ahead and close us out well and we 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 gave him the firm boot on that uh, firmly but lovingly yep. and he did come back the next week yes he did and he was sober and everybody's happy yes so these some of these things do have a happy ending i want to address what you're dealing with i want to go line by line uh-oh it's that serious Are you gonna exegete it i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna exegete uh okay first of all i want to address the too sensitive you're, you're too sensitive whenever whenever she does stuff that's funky and you don't like it, then you're being too sensitive. All I did was call you ugly during your wedding planning. I don't see why you're being so sensitive. Yeah. Uh, Here's the thing. If I step on your toes, I don't get to tell you how sensitive you're being about it. That's how that works. Uh, uh, Here's the thing. Uh, uh, When uh, you are the person perpetrating this behavior, you don't get to judge the other person in the way that they're dealing with that. That's that's not how life works. And it's important to note that because the, the, the whole thing we're talking about here is uh, having your mom take responsibility for the consequences of her actions. Yeah. I was happy. You came in here. Now I'm not happy. Solve for X. <laughs> how did this happen? <laughs> what do you think is the ingredient that caused me to not be happy? Because it, it, it seems to happen every time you're around. The uh, second thing is, uh, the, the, she's saying is that you're being too selfish. Here's the thing. Um, if it's my marriage or my job or my house, uh, it's kind of hard for me to make selfish decisions about it because it is mine. Yeah. Selfish is when you treat something like it's yours when it's not yours. What do you think could be a good example of that, Glenn? So, for example, if someone was getting married and you treated that wedding like it was your wedding, then you'd be selfish. Oh. If you are getting married and you treat your marriage like it's your marriage, then you're actually not being selfish. That's just how reality works. Far out, man. So uh, you can see how with very little thought, we can answer these things pretty emphatically and shoot them down. But as Jed is suggesting here, we're not really subjecting this to analysis. We're having an emotional response to this. Uh, uh, then mom pulls the old manipulation trick of getting down on herself. Here's how that works. You say, mom, you know, you're doing this. You're saying that you're making me unhappy. Oh, you're right. I'm a terrible mother. I'll just wander off into the woods to die. alone. (laughs) Exactly right. Here's the thing. Right in that moment, put your foot down. You look her straight in the eye and said, now you're putting words in my mouth. Yeah. I didn't say you were a terrible mother. You said you were a terrible mother. You're accusing me of calling you a terrible mother. That's an accusation I don't like. If a stranger came up to me on the street and said, you're accusing your mother of this or that, you, you, that this is the way you think of your mother, I'd slap him in the mouth. You put those same words in my mouth and, and accuse me of seeing, seeing you that way. You just took this to a whole new level of wrongness. 
So that little manipulation move is really just a further insult of yeah. me. And you need to figure out a different way to act, mom, because you just keep digging this hole deeper and we got to do something different. But here's the real problem. And I'm going to say this lovingly and sympathetically and patiently. And I'm going to say this as someone who has toxic family that uh, may just be toxic on a level past where your mom is. Bless her heart. You're trying to get her to accept the consequences of her actions but the real deal here and this is the hard to hear part is you have to ask yourself are you accepting the consequences of your actions and your choices come on because you're choosing to let this go on you're choosing to not confront her on that but you don't want to accept the consequences that come with it the consequences is she's going to do this if you let her do it she's, she's going to do it 100 percent of the time that decision's already been made you're, you're saying, I'm going to let her do it and then hope and pray and wish that she does not do that and feel bad every time. You know, you, you have to, you're putting that on her. That's not on her. She's made up her mind how she's going to be. You have to accept that if you let her behave that way, she's going to behave that way. And that's your choice, not her choice. Hers is already made before now. Uh, in order to solve this situation, you have to accept responsibility. And that might mean going to your mom and saying, you know, mom, I've let you talk nonsense a lot i've let you um make me feel guilty i've let you put weird things on you that put words in my mouth and and put yourself down or whatever i've let this go on way too long it's over now we're not doing this anymore here's the thing you have to figure out a way to be positive you have to figure out a way to be encouraging i want you to go home and sit down and get out a piece of paper and write three nice things down about your daughter and then you're going to call me up and you're going to tell me those three nice things. I'll show you how to do the right thing if you don't know how. We'll work that out together. We'll be a team. We'll figure this whole thing out. But uh, and, and I don't blame you for not knowing what to do or say in these situations. Sometimes as parents, you know, you get stuck. You get overwhelmed. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. But the thing is, you can't do this anymore. That's over. I'm taking responsibility for my part of letting this go on too far. I want you to take your responsibility on and say that uh, this is unpleasant, destructive behavior that we can't have as part of this healthy relationship. When you take responsibility for your part of that and face the consequences of your own choices, that will show her that you're on a different page and encourage her to join you on that. And we hope and pray that she, she will and that she'll have a, a positive reaction over the long run about that. Absolutely. All right. If you have a question for us, you can get us to say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.com, bridgechicago.tumblr.com. Sorry, that the bridgechicago.com is not a thing that exists and you can't ask a question there. Get us at the Tumblr. Just remember those uh, Bridgebox addresses, missionusa.com slash bridgebox, missionusa.com slash BBLY, or email me, Matt, at missionusa.com to get the super secret bonus link to get both. If you just need more podcasts in your life, we've got the Bridge Podcast. If you like it, turned all the way up to 11. We've got the Bridge Loud. There are some back issues of Lee's podcast, Ancient and New, and the Water Tower you can always check out. Get all that on iTunes. Leave a review if you don't mind. Leave a review. You. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, kicking the ball of romance into the goal of love. Oh, wow. wow. Well done. Run around.